one tip that a good friend of mine always told me is always undercook it. So yeah, cook it rare. The rarer, the better. My grandma was like, oh, I would never eat that. That's so horrible. It's so crazy. So we cooked it up and she's like, anytime you ever shoot a bear and you don't call me over for dinner, I'm going to be real mad. <laughs> it was the trip of a lifetime for sure. Two women hunting and just like getting it done and pounding through the most intense terrain that you've ever been through. I was just standing there and I heard something coming like literally right to my right. So I look over and it is a little tiny cub. So I'm like, great, where is the mom? It's it's hard work being a hunter. You have to put in work. You cannot just lay in a bed and watch TV and kill a deer. Any other information that I help with in aiding somebody become a better hunter or um, things that I've learned along the way, I'm always happy to pass that on. This is Rihanna Carey, and you're listening to Live In Country In The City. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country In The City. Hey, y'all, welcome to episode 77 of Living Country In The City. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I got a chance today to talk with the one and only Rihanna Carey. We honestly cover just a little bit of everything, from cooking wild game to hunting bears to trips to New Zealand. So, hope you all enjoy this one. Well, here we are. Rihanna, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I was super excited when you asked me to be on it, and I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I always like to start just with a little bit of background about yourself. How did you How did you get your start in like hunting and angling in the outdoors? Yeah, my start is definitely, it's similar to a lot of people I've found. Um, you know, I was actually vegan for a short time. I would say I did it for about three months and I really just quickly found that it wasn't the best for me. Um, some people, maybe it works for them, but for <laughs> me, it was horrible. I just lost too much weight and 
I just didn't have energy. I didn't feel very good. So the reason I had decided to go vegan was because I was actually in nursing school and I was doing a paper on agribusiness and factory farming and, you know, where meat comes from. And it was shocking for me to really, you know, digest what our meat industry is like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that caused me to quit eating meat. I I was uh, in college, so obviously I wasn't able to afford the organic meat. And I was like, maybe I'll just try it. I've never tried to be vegan before. And it was it was really tough. It was really tough for me because obviously you like cheese and eggs and all that type of thing. So um, that would be that's my stopping point, if nothing else is. I mean, I I have no desire to give up meat in, in any fashion. But like <laughs> vegan is so far beyond, I would probably <laughs> die before I gave up like cheese. I, I tried, well, what it was, one of the books I read, it was called Slaughterhouse. And then I read this other funny, really funny comical book called Skinny Bitch. And the statistics on like milk and cheese, it was insane. So, um, you know, I, I definitely took it to the extreme because this book was, to the extreme. And I quickly realized, you know, that that book was one-sided, so one-sided because there really are <laughs> great farmers and there really are people who care about what's on the going on the plate. And so for me, it was uh, just kind of being ignorant. I didn't really do my homework on both sides of the story. So um, I quickly realized that um, you know, I couldn't be vegan anyway. So <laughs> I had to figure out an alternative. And um, I had never hunted before. And um, it started with being introduced to it um, by my ex. And I couldn't believe the, his freezer. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And so I was like, Okay, like this meat I can do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cook it, I'm gonna make it good. And it was intimidating at first. It was so intimidating. I'm like, what do I do with this elk steak? I have no idea. And I quickly realized that it's just like beef. So um, cooking it, I made it so fun. And um, I decided I was like, you know what? Maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to try hunting. I want to uh, be involved in the process and make sure that it's something that I can do and make sure that I'm okay with it. Um, I've always been an animal lover, you know, like I joke, I want to farm and like goats and cows and horses Mm -hmm. and chickens. And so um, it was hard, but um, I decided to do it. And being a nursing student, I uh, was also really excited to see the inside of the animal. It sounds really (laughs) weird. (laughs) Sounds super weird. But yeah, it was uh, really interesting to me, all of the functions and, um, you know, looking inside the chambers of the heart. And so for me, it was kind of like an anatomy project, as well (laughs) as way to get meat. So and and from there, I was hooked. My very first year, I shot with a rifle. And uh, it was insane. It was the very last day, the last hour, we were actually leaving, driving out of the area. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, there's a buck, there's a buck right there. (laughs) So um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we stocked up on it and got super close, and I made a good shot, and so um, it was it was really cool. It was just cool to get my hands dirty and do everything myself, and you know, even though I didn't know how to do it, um, my family that was teaching me was 
they were very, uh, you got to do it yourself. You have to do it. If you're mm-hmm. going to do it, you need to learn how to do it and, and know how to do every single process. So you're going to skin it. You're going to uh, take the meat off. You're going to debone it and, and package it up. And so um, that's kind of their test to see if you're going to make it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for me, I was like, yes, this is awesome. Like so much fun. And they're like, okay, you can come up with us. You can, <laughs> you know, you can be a part of the process. And uh, so it was, it was definitely an interesting process, but I found so many hunters have the same story. You know, it's people who don't want to eat the beef or the chicken mm-hmm. or, you know, they want more of a um, connection to what, what they're putting in their bodies, whether it's vegetables or meat. So, yeah, that's how I got started. So, talking about that first hunt, um, how did, uh, from what you expected going in, somebody taking you on your first hunt, mm-hmm. how was it, what What did you expect versus how it actually was? What were maybe some of the surprises of that first hunt that you can remember? Well, I definitely remember hiking my butt off and not seeing anything. <laughs> this is the first deer that, deer that we saw. And we were going out for, you know, I think it was only a week-long season. And we were going out every single day because I was going to get a deer. I wanted one, you know. I was like, <laughs> okay, this is going to happen. I'm using a rifle. I'm going to get it done. We were in a good area. And every single day, I'm like, okay, today's going to be the day. I'm going to see something. Nope, nothing. Or just a doe. Or um, it was only a buck tag. So for me, it was a lot harder than I it was um, challenging, but at the same time, I loved it. I just was like, it doesn't matter. This is so cool. Getting up um, before most people, seeing the sunrise, um, and really just being out in nature it was really was really cool for me. And so, um, yeah, I would say that probably it was harder than I expected, but it was. Um, rewarding. And when I was leaving, I was okay with not getting a deer, you know, I was like, okay, that's fine. Like I still had an amazing time. So um, when people say it's not about the kill, a hundred percent, it's not about um, the kill. Obviously you want the meat, but, um, but yeah, for me, I was fulfilled even without filling my tag until the last moment, which is typically (laughs) how it happens anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so that's what I would say. So you talked about a little bit. You you kind of you kind of mentioned something um, that I feel like, to some extent, I anticipate for myself. And mm-hmm. it, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but I almost feel like there there was like a little pressure when you're when you're cooking wild game meat or something or something oh. that you worked so hard, to either yourself mm-hmm. to get or somebody else did. I yeah. feel like. You know, it's like whatever. You know, I screw up. I screw up a burger or whatever a steak. It's not that big of a deal. I'll, I'll probably still eat it. Big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. it's like you know, whatever. But I sit there and I think I'm like, man, when I take my first elk, every single cut of meat that I cook off of that thing, I'm gonna be nervous that I'm gonna screw this up because of how hard I worked for it. Exactly. And and two, it's intimidating just looking at the meat anyways, because you're like, that doesn't look like a beef steak. Yeah. That doesn't look like what comes out of the package. It's not bright red and it doesn't have any marbling on it and and it's <laughs> dark and you're just like, um, okay, what do I even do with this thing? Um, but one tip that um, a good friend of mine always told me is always undercook it. 
I mean, when you're taking care of the animal, it's your hands that are touching it. And, you know, you know, you're always washing them, keeping them clean. And out in the field, really, there's not a, there's not, unless you get in the guts or, um, you know, your, the meat gets really dirty from like mostly gut bacteria or whatever, then, um, the meat is going to be cleaner than, uh, you know, eating raw, raw beef or eating even raw fish. So, um, yeah, cook it rare. The rarer, the better. And it's not bloody like a beef steak would be if you cook it rare. Um, it, it is kind of juicy, but it's just it's just better that way. Um, I would say always make sure that you undercook it rather than overcook it. Um, and try it first. And if you don't like it that rare, then just put it on for another minute or two. Because, um, you know, it's always better to undercook it than overcook it. Because if you overcook it, it can taste like you're eating you know, like a badger or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. And, and that's also dependent on the animal too. Like that, that would be for 100%. like deer or elk or, or yeah. certain things, something like bear. Well, deer, even, even deer. Oh yeah. Bear. You don't want to, you, you cook, you cook the hell out of bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you get it to the right temperature. You don't have to cook the hell out of it, but you need to make sure they say one uh, 65, but one forty five is really what will actually kill it. And I think it's, um, you know, you want it at that temperature for however long. I mean, don't quote me. Do it 165, everyone. <laughs> but for me, I know that 145 is going to, you know, take care of that. And I do know somebody that's gotten it. So you just definitely want to <laughs> definitely be careful. But but typically, too, I mean, you can also have your meat tested. If you're that worried about it, um, you can – they do it for free, um, meat testing, and you can have it tested. And then it comes back. If you want to eat it rare, then eat it rare. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Little bear tartar. <laughs> yeah. Um, people might not be that into it. I mean, I love bear, honestly, but it's all in how you cook it. And I've definitely realized that over um, time, you know, you can't put the same seasonings on uh, an antelope that you put on an elk sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. and too, it depends on what they're eating. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> the differences in, in game. I mean, some people don't like it cause it tastes too gamey, but, um, it's all in how you um, take care of it in the field and also what the animal's been eating. So I had a good <laughs> podcast with Jeremiah Dowdy where we talked a lot about that. Where, oh, yeah. Um, he, you know, he talked about like, okay, you know, you've got an antelope that's out eating this type of grass versus this other type of mm-hmm. foliage, it's going to make the meat taste significantly different. Also, you know, if, you, if you're if you chasing bear, there's a big difference between spring bear and fall bear, you know, or bear that's 100%. been rummaging through berries versus through gut piles. So Exactly. What time of year, location, um, they all have a factor in what the animal tastes like. And, and if you try the meat, you just really don't like it. There's so many other, there's so many things you can do to it too that really hide the flavor. Like I had a mule deer and it was real sagey. It was like real hard for me. I was like, I just, and, and too, sometimes they smell like mm-hmm. um, they do in the field. They've just got like, especially ruddy bucks. Oh my gosh. Sometimes they could just be very, very <laughs> pungent. And when you're eating them, you're smelling this, the taste, you're tasting the they smell when you went and took care of the animal. So it can be like kind of a mind um, trick. So uh, what I would do or suggest to a new hunter in that situation, don't waste the meat, don't make it dog food, but turn it into like a sausage or um, put it into 
um, yeah, like a bratwurst or something mm-hmm. like that. You could do breakfast patties or, or anything too. if it's kind of got that interesting flavor anyways, then, then it can add a lot of good flavor into um, like the breakfast sausage. So um, that would be my suggestion for <laughs> if you don't like the meat, don't waste it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's always a way to make, it make the meat work and make it good and complement it. 100%. Um, and, you know, I think that's a lot of, if I remember correctly, a lot of what I talked about with Jeremiah is one of his favorite games to play is uh, he'll find someone that says like, oh, I hate deer meat or I hate this or whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the universal word. It tastes gamey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he'll he'll ask them what kind of what kind of dishes they like. And he'll find a way to prep that whatever that deer similar to a dish they like and make something that they'd really enjoy. And that's kind of his own personal game. Um, I thought that was hundred percent really cool. Yeah. We've done that with bear. Um, you know, just had, um, my grandma was like, Oh, I would never eat that. Oh, I would never eat that. That's so horrible. It's so greasy. So we <laughs> cooked it up and I mean, you would never know. And she's like, anytime you ever shoot a bear and you don't call me over for dinner, I'm going to be real mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's, it is, it's, you can definitely change your perception of things. Um, and especially, you know, change the flavor of any, any meat. Um, you just have to know how to cook it. And some people don't like that process. Some people don't like to cook it, but for me, like that's really like one of my favorite things to do. And it sucks so bad because I just moved into a new house and I totally demoed the whole thing and I don't even have a kitchen. I haven't had a kitchen for like a month. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'm going a little bit stir crazy, um, but eating a lot of Mexican food. (laughs) I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. You're talking to a Southern California kid here. So I have, I have a weakness for Mexican food, but (laughs) I I can can also see that would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got, I just finally got my stove in my fridge they of course it's coming tomorrow so it's you know it's been a work in progress but it's like finally getting to the point where I can like start putting my kitchen together which is the most rewarding part so (laughs) (laughs) finally (laughs) but so yeah we uh we have this nursing student killing her first (laughs) deer you know gutting Mm -hmm. it everything prepping it falling in love with hunting so what Mm -hmm. what takes you from from that that first time hunter all the way up to where you're at now what uh what uh what happened there just i guess uh pure love for the outdoors 100% i mean uh and to cooking and eating the wild game i yeah i it's crazy i think i started hunting 7 years ago which is not that long in all you know respect to hunters it's really not that long but I think over those seven years, I have hunted more than a lot of people. I, I was lucky. I had the opportunity to go a lot of different places. And um, I actually quit my job as a nurse and was working per diem and would let them know, hey, I'm in town this week. Do you want me on the schedule? Um, and I'm going to be gone for two months, but I'll be back and I'll let you know. Put me on for a month. And then I'm going to be gone again for three months. So... <laughs> Um, it's been a really interesting process and I don't even know how I got to where I am, I guess, out of pure love for what I'm doing, but, um, I feel really fortunate and lucky, um, that I've 
hunted all different types of species and game and been really lucky with elk. I think too, um, I've been pretty successful and I attribute that a lot to, you know, my teachers and, but I just, I just love it. And I, I feel like I've been blessed to be able to spend a lot of time doing it, which has been, um, really key in my progression, I think as a hunter, because I mean, it really, it is getting out and doing it and having so many failures and few successes. So the more time you spend outdoors, the more successes that you're going to have. So, um, for me, I feel like just because I was able to spend a lot more time than the normal person, I've had a lot more success, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's gonna, it's, it's hard for like a new hunter, you know, you see these people on social media, just getting it done and, you know, whatever, but it is not as easy as it looks. <laughs> and majority of the time you're going to go home empty handed. And I myself have gone home empty handed several times and it's a very humbling experience, but it's also, you just learn, you take and learn what you can from each experience and, um, you know, apply it to the next one, which I met some really, really incredible ladies this past weekend. I, I'm a part of uh, ladies hunting camp, which they need it for men for sure, because <laughs> it's such a cool experience at meeting women uh, coming from all over the country. And I actually teach archery at it. So, okay. um, you know, they're talking about um, how, you know, oh, I, I got started hunting for my ex and, you know, we're not together anymore. So I have to come and learn how to do everything myself. And I just want to get an elk so bad or one gal got an elk and, you know, she's like, I don't even know how I got it done or what, what <laughs> happened, how I got it, but I did. And now I need to learn how to be a better hunter so I can keep filling my freezer. Like it's, it's so cool to see, uh, you know, it growing into to more people wanting to do it and get clean organic meat for the family. I don't even know. I'm like running off in tangents. Hopefully, I guess this is what podcasting no, is, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, this works. The less I have to talk, the better. People people don't tune into these to hear from me. Uh, <laughs> but really, so have you been hunting for a while? Like, I don't, I don't really know that much about you. I do know Jess Byers, and she was telling me a little bit. Um, she's been on your podcast before. So, mm -hmm. but what, so have you hunted? What have you hunted? So I, uh, I, I got into hunting, you know, I, I just, my family never was against it, anything like that, but it was never anything we really did. Um, yeah. we'd go camping, you know, we'd fish, uh, every, you know, every summer when we'd go camping and that was really the extent of it. It was a vacation thing for me, but mm -hmm. I started, uh, I started getting into to guns more and shooting and I just enjoyed mm -hmm. target shooting things like that. But I'm always been the type of person where I need I need an end, end goal for something. Like I need a reason to be mm -hmm. doing it. Like shooting just to learn to shoot for me was yeah becoming unsatisfying. Yeah, and so I was like, well, you know, I should look into hunting. And then I started, you know, following hunters on Twitter and Facebook, and this was before mm -hmm. I was on even on Instagram. And I really, I, I I was really getting interested. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing people shooting bows. And I'm like, oh man! I used to shoot one as a kid. I loved it. I still have think they're they're amazing. And I went into Bass Pro, and they uh, it, it, I've said it before. They sent they saw a sucker coming from a mile away. 
<laughs> they sent they sent the the pretty sales girl over to me, and I blacked out and <laughs> woke up sitting in my car with a bow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened in between. <laughs> I don't know what happened in between her walking up and me leaving the cash register, but I walked out with a with a bow. Uh, <laughs> That's but, awesome. Yeah, that was about uh, three years ago, and oh, nice. And you know, I, I had, uh, I didn't really know anything. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of like, as far as I was aware, you know, people went and sat in tree stands, and you know, yeah, and that's kind of what you did, and you didn't do yeah. anything like these backcountry elk hunts unless you'd been hunting for twenty years, and you know, mm-hmm. you had thousands and thousands of dollars, and and all of yep. this, and so. It was, it was this weird process, and I I went and I, uh, my ex's family is from Mississippi, and mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, they have a bunch of land, and so they took me out uh, to a few different spots, and I sat in a tree stand and saw a handful of deer that were pretty much all out of range, and I mean, I learned a lot from that. It was it was interesting. It was yeah. it was fascinating for me. It was exciting, and I. It was freezing cold out, but you probably couldn't have pulled me out of that tree stand if you had tried. Um, yeah. I've hunted white tails before. I know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> it's like you're always sitting there thinking like, okay, no, one's going to come out in a minute. It, one's going to come out in a minute. But it, You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking how much longer? Because like, I can't feel my fingers. I can't feel my toes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't feel my face. Is that, an, is that a snowflake on my eyelash? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, it's like, like now they have the giant, like, uh, big, uh, big, like, tree stand snuggies that you can wear. They're like giant oh. sleeping bag suits for tree stands. Well, if I had one of those, maybe I would have stayed longer. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't feel anything. (laughs) Yeah. I had a coworker. He saw, I had a a camo cover on my laptop and he had a, he kind of gave me this look. I think he was wearing a a Kuyu puffy at the time. And so we kind of gave each other this like camo kind of questioning look and we ended up talking (laughs) and he has been, he's been doing this pretty much his entire life. And he started talking to me about elk hunting and I'm like, Oh man, that's like, that's crazy. In in, in um, California, a uh, coworker in California. Uh, there, there's a lot of it's hard to draw tags, but there's actually uh, a lot, a lot uh, of elk. a lot yeah. of elk here in California. Well, you guys have three species of elk. You're the only state that has the tule, and yep. then you've got the Rockies, and then you've got Roosevelt. So you're you guys are you guys are real lucky. That's what I've <laughs> been putting in for as tool. I mean, I might draw it someday in my life but <laughs> yeah that's that's but the I one know. thing i uh i've been i've been looking at moving out of california well i've been looking at that for a oh. long time uh mm-hmm. but opportunities have been coming up recently where it might become a reality this year and Ooh, that would be exciting it's i am so floored but i also sit and think i'm like man my draw odds for tuli elk shoot way down the second i get out down. of here <laughs> I know. Well, even if you're a resident, it still is real hard. Yeah. I mean, it's like um, a, a once in a lifetime dream hunt for sure. Yeah. But. Yeah, definitely. Unless you've got a lot of money then. <laughs> um, but uh, I do know some people who have hunted them and drawn it, drawn it. So that's pretty exciting. It gives me some hope. I put it in for it anyways. I mean, there's a lot of other states that have way better elk hunting. So I don't put in for Rockies or Roosevelt, yeah, sure. but um, tools. Yeah, and I do put in for sheep, I think, in California, because it's really actually pretty cheap. 
Um, if you already are buying your hunting license, and I think it's relatively cheap to put in for, for sheep and all that kind of stuff. So I'm mm-hmm. like, why not? I, I love coming to California to hunt blacktail. Um, so um, I'm actually doing that this year. I am coming down on the 18th. So oh, nice. um, I'll be in Northern California. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, California does have some good hunts. Surprisingly. I mean, you guys have tons of predators, heaps mm-hmm. and heaps of predators, but um, I mean, there's definitely some good, some great blacktail there. Blacktail's great here. Uh, hog, there's a lot of good spots for hog. Yes. I've there's been hog hunting there too. Inc- there's so many black bears around here, um, especially oh up towards, gosh. you're up in Oregon, right? Yes. So up towards not like not too far from the border, I've been told there's some incredible black bear hunting down here. I then, I saw sixteen bears in like seven days or eight days. Yeah, seventeen. <laughs> I actually posted a video on my Instagram of this really cool color faced bear. It was like out chomping on the bushes at like one o'clock in the dead heat, like just. Oh forging around and i'm like oh my gosh there's a bear and i was with uh, my friend perry and he goes there's no way there's a bear out in this freaking heat and i was like yes there is a brown huge bear right down there and so sure enough there it was a bear i was right and it was really cool to watch him i was like should we go after i don't think anyone had a bear tag at that point and two we only had a few days to try and fill um archery black tail two archery black tail tags so it was like let's just go after blacktail. You have to think about that's what sucks. You have to think about bear is the meat can um, go bad so fast in that heat. And also the Cape, cause it's, it's just so greasy. And, and I mean, you have mm-hmm. to give up your hunting um, to go and take everything back and basically take it all the way into town and then come back and go bear and go blacktail hunting. So yeah. it's like, unless it's a giant and a really cool like color, then it's like, Hmm. But you probably should because you need to also take care of the population there. Yeah. There's well, it's many, we've got you know I pretty much unlimited bear tags, and it's it's just one of those things where it, there's a limit of bears that can be taken each year, and once that limit mm-hmm. is once that limit is reached, then the, you know then all the hunting for bears stops. I don't think that limit but has that, ever been that's, reached. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I would actually, if anybody listening knows that, knows the stats on how many times that limit has been reached in California, I would love to hear it because every time I've looked, it's not even close. I bet it, when you could hunt with dogs there, because you used to be able to hunt with um, hounds, hunt mm-hmm. bears. Um, I bet when you could hunt with hounds, maybe it had been reached, but I don't know how long. Um, California has been home free. Uh, exactly. But especially for cougars too. You guys have oh, so many freaking cats. I can't remember who it was. Uh, gosh, who was I talking to? I was talking to someone and they said they will, they will not come hunt California anymore because the only time they've ever had an issue, they've seen plenty of cougars, they've hunted cougars, mm-hmm. but the only time there's ever been an issue with cougar, a cougar has been in California because they're super brazen. Yeah. They know they have no predators. They mm-hmm. they don't have any fear of anything because they see a human and nothing ever happens. And they're yeah. they're usually pretty hungry unless, you know, there's a, a good contingent of household pets in the neighborhood they're prowling. 
<laughs> well, especially when you have that many, they have a uh, very wide range. And so, you know, they get kicked out of one area, go to the next, and anything they see, you know, they're going to go after. Even though we don't fit their predatory profile, like those desperate ones are going to, you know, go after you. It doesn't yeah. happen too often from what I hear. But, you know, I that's something I'm going to be aware of when I'm hunting there for sure. <laughs> and bears, too. I mean, especially thousands with cubs or something like that. Cause we didn't see a few of those as well. That's why I think 16 bears. Cause there was a bunch of South that had little babes. So California is a good, is almost a hidden state. So maybe we should keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've got a lot of the fundraising draws too, which are honestly, I mean, I know a lot of people put in for those, but mm-hmm. you know, it's relatively inexpensive to, if you're, especially if you're getting your license, you're putting in for those draws why not, you know, drop 50, 60 bucks by, you know, five or six a few t- yeah. entries into the that draw. And that may be the one time you ever get a sheep hunt or a, you, yeah, know, you can get sure. a Thule elk hunt out of that. The odds are probably better with those because you can buy as many entries as you want. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's what a lot of people do, actually, for yeah. Thule especially. would be a smart thing to do. <laughs> but yeah. So I am coming to California in a few weeks, so that'll be fun. I'm excited for that. That'll be a lot of fun. I've heard, I I know a lot of people come out to California because we have that super early uh, opening season in uh, in July that, I mean, it's short as hell, but um, we start so early that people, that was, that was my big problem when I, when I first started that first year, uh, I went out and it was kind of later season. I went out and I hunted my friend's land. I was like, I'm in love with this. I have to do this more. So I'm like, all right, can I go back to California and, uh, you know, get some, t- get some over the counter opportunities and figure this out. And I look and it's like, no, all your seasons are over. Have fun. Like, <laughs> so I, oh, yeah. I got back and I had, you know, You're this like, was before I knew about it. I mean, I still don't know what I'm doing, but I, I know a little bit more than I did. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know really how to go places and how to apply and this and that. I was just like, I'm just going to go out and set up a tree stand somewhere and like, <laughs> I try and figure out where the animals are I'm, moving. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I do a lot of online research and figure it out. But then I'm like, well, I can't even do that. Cause there's like one season. I, I managed to find one. It was an archery only tag that's around Los Angeles. Um, oh my gosh. Urban hunting or what? <laughs> it's, Oh, well, it's like in the San Gabriel Mountains just outside of Los Angeles, I should say. So Los Angeles County, (laughs) Um, which is the size of many states. But um, yeah, the concrete jungle is what I call it. Exactly. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I uh, tried to find that and I I figured it out. But hitting puberty there. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and, you know, I had had my buddy who started mentoring me and he's like, okay, this is what you need to do. These are when the applications are due. This is how you kind of do it. You need to listen to these podcasts and da, 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 da. And so before I even ever started getting into hunting, I started this whole living country in the city thing just because I had people asking me like, oh, I see you are shooting your bow, but you live in Los Angeles. I didn't know you could do that. I had friends asking me. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, well, you know, I should do this thing. That's a great way to start it. Yeah. Document this journey. Like I had no, I had no intention of it really being like a hunting podcast or anything like that. It was just this Instagram and website that I was using to 
like originally I was listening like country concerts and line dancing, mm-hmm. you know, like line dance nights <laughs> too on on the website. And, like, and that's what it was. And yeah, then uh, it, I started listening to these podcasts, and I had somebody that was um, in, encouraging other people to start podcasts, not necessarily hunting ones. It was a different industry, but yeah. I was like, you know this would be an interesting way to document what I'm doing. Cause I hate blogging. I'm yeah. I just, writing. I, I can never get no, myself to write, <laughs> but yeah. I got no problem talking with people all day long. So, yeah, you know, I get a lot, sure. I get a lot of crap from people that are like, Oh, you know, hunting hasn't even killed anything yet, but he has a podcast. No, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, you obviously haven't listened to the podcast. Cause the whole thing is about how I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, um, so, you know, we actually, uh, you mentioned, uh, Jess Byers, uh, a little bit ago. I, um, uh, you know, I would, every, everyone on who listens knows, uh, I headed out there for, I've had her on the podcast twice. I headed out to Texas for a hog hunt with her and Braxton, which was, had an incredible amount of just ups and downs. Like it was one of the most emotionally and mentally draining weeks of my life. And, you know, we talked about mm-hmm. that, but, uh, you fairly recently went on a, on a rather, <laughs> uh, adventure, adventurous hunt with Jess, didn't you? Yes. We had the most insane trip. It was the trip of a lifetime for sure. And especially, I mean, it's not just a trip of a lifetime, but what made it so amazing is being with Jess, you know, two women, hunting and just like getting it done and powering through the most intense terrain that you've ever been through. We started off in Australia and uh, that was amazing because we were which they're also very well known in the uh, the hunting community and um, Jess and her husband were able to go as well. So um, I had, I'd met Jess once before that at a trade show and we hung out for a night, but, um, you know, it was never like, let's go hunting together. But, you know, um, we ended up uh, both connecting with Adam and Kimmy and going at the same time. And so it was exciting. I was like, I've never met them before. I'm so excited. We're on team. All of us are on team UA together under armor. So, um, yeah, we, uh, trekked over to Australia and, um, before I knew, uh, or before we left, Jess called me and she was like, Hey, I just would like to get some tips. I'm heading to New Zealand after. And, you know, she was asking me cause I'm a part of uh, Garmin as well. Mm-hmm. And I use a text messaging device that they have that works off of satellite. So I can stay connected even when there's no service. Um, and so oh, she trust me, me about, I um, am very familiar with the <laughs> DeLorean reach. I, uh, yeah. it is, it is the reason it, it probably saved my life when I uh, went on my first elk hunt last year. So really, well, that's always a good story because those things, I mean, that's what they're there to do. And not every, not many people know about them, really. I mean, it's becoming more and more well-known. Um, the, the company used to be called DeLorean and that's who I started working with was DeLorean. And then they were, um, bought out by Garmin. And so it still is done on like the uh, Iridium satellites, um, but it's now with Garmin. So um, it's now called the Garmin InReach. And so I stayed on with them with Garmin. And um, so that's how, yeah, Jess 
Um, that's what Jess was asking about because she wasn't going to have service where she was at. And it's so important, especially for loved ones to know that you're okay. Cause when you're in train like that or, you know, by yourself, like I, I use it ton cause I hunt a lot um, solo. And so it's the only reason I do. That's the mm-hmm. only reason I hunt solo. If I didn't have that, I would not feel comfortable um, being out there by myself. Cause I, I know if, if something were to happen, I, I can always just press the SOS button and help is on the way. So for me, it's like, you know, my safety, my safety net. But so that's, Jess called me and I was asking, and um, she, so I, I was like, oh my gosh, how fun you're going to New Zealand. I've been there once before and it was so much fun. So, you know, it was left at that. Well, um, we're in Australia. We're having such a great time. I just clicked immediately with Jess and Braxton and um, we had an awesome, awesome trip there. Um, I got a fallow just to the kind of stuff. She, she held a, um, a fallow doe, a pig. Um, gosh. I was yeah. like, I mean, I was definitely following along for that whole trip because <laughs> that was just after my hog hunt with her. And she was kind of, she had, I don't think she had announced, I don't know if she had announced any of the trip yet. But she was telling yeah. me about it, and I was so just listening to her talk about it. I was so stinking excited for all of you that yeah, like, I was like I'm I was like bated breath following along on uh on yours and hers and Braxton's and the Green Trees pages. Like I was that was my that was my consolation for uh, having been stuck in the office. Well, <laughs> right after a, <laughs> a, a week of hunting, so. Was following you I guys. was so surprised. There was really so many people that were following that journey, which is so cool. I mean, all the people that I've seen, just even in the industry, they're like, "I need to trade." Like, I saw everything, so I know it was amazing. But like, you gave me so much pain, or what? I mean, and two, it's just it's really cool to meet people that are just so amazing, and you just connect with like on a different level of like understanding and I and what's so crazy is I feel like I found that so much in hunters that it's just it blows my mind like it's just the hunting community is so full of really good people genuine you know they have great values and uh, morals and ethics and and it's it's hard work being a hunter you have to put in work you cannot just like lay in a bed and watch TV and kill a deer. It's work. You have to, you know, you have to put in the effort. And um, I feel like, you know, hunting has brought me to so many cool people like Adam and Kimmy and Jess. So just being able to be there with them and connect with them and just like see that same fire that I have in them is just like, oh my gosh, okay, well, basically like, when are we all going to live in the same town? What, are, what, what <laughs> other hunts are we going to go on? You know, like when you just meet those people that are super cool. So yeah, we did Australia together and um, the guide message, the guide from New Zealand messaged Jess and, and he goes, Hey, are you sure you don't want Braxton to come? We have plenty of room. There's room for one more person. Like I've got uh, extra food and there's room on the helicopter. And I mean, are you sure Braxton can't go? And she's like, she asked Braxton, she's like, are you sure you can't go? Cause he's saying there's room and I'm sitting there in the car and I was just like, you know, pretty quiet. And, and Braxton goes, Jess, what about Rihanna? Have Rihanna go. And she goes, she just, what did she say? She said something. It was really funny. Like obviously a cuss word. And she goes, <laughs> ah, what the, would you, would you want to go? 
can you go? <laughs> but the question is, can you go? And I was like, um, well, I have summer clothes with me. <laughs> like I'm hunting in a tank top and, you know, I've got some like long pants and that's about all. I have no gloves. Uh, no thick gloves. I had no like late season gear at all, obviously. And we were leaving in a week and a half or, you know, we were leaving yeah. Australia. So I said, well, I mean, if I can get some sponsors to send me some stuff and get it there in time, that would be the biggest thing. Uh, then yeah, I'm down. And so we were able to get it, get it set up and get all the gear in time. And so, yeah, I headed to New Zealand with her too. It was, it was crazy. It was a month long hunt. Um, and Jess says this too. She's like, honestly, I didn't invite you before because we'd never really hung out that much. And I didn't know that I'd want to spend a month with you. I mean, what if you were, you know, what if we didn't get along? And that's so true. I mean, you never know that somebody that you're going to click so well with somebody until you're, you need them. So I was like, trust me, Gail, I would have done the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was a crazy trip with her. We had, much fun and found out a lot about ourselves on that trip no it was like i I said it was definitely an epic trip it was so much fun to follow (laughs) along with um and and so i mean how many weeks was it again we were gone for four weeks we left july or not july um may no april 1st and then go back till june 1st okay So it was a whole month we were gone. Wait. So two weeks in Australia and two weeks, two weeks in New Zealand, two weeks in Australia. That would be two months, though. What you just said, May to oh, wait. April first to June. May 1st. June, um, May and June we were gone. Okay. Oh no, no, April May, April May. We were gone. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I I was back for one month and then I went on another trip. So because I, I was gone from the first, I literally. So um, at the beginning of the year, I booked a trip to Greece with my best friend. And then this whole Australia thing came up. And so I had to go on that. And then while I was in Australia, New Zealand happened. So my mind is kind of all over the place. I literally <laughs> haven't been home in the past like year so yeah. far. So. There we go. Yeah, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at your airport picture right now. And that, that's from May 1st. And then... Yes, May 1st. Yeah. So scrolling yeah. back. So so May 1st to June 1st, pretty much. Yeah. There we go. Got it all sorted. Yes, May 1st. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Whew, uh, that, that was an event. That was tough. <laughs> like, all I know is I was there, and it was amazing. <laughs> I don't know dates. I don't know oh, what days of the week it is sometimes. So. I should have I should have <laughs> actually known that because I remember it was just after the Texas – The it was not too long after the Texas hunt. and oh, nice. It was, I remember it was while I was on, I went on a, uh, like a nine state road trip, nine, 10 state road trip. And I remember it was while, while I was on that road trip, uh, I was watching and I remember it was like on that trip, I'd kind of like get where I was going for the night and like sat down and catch up on the adventures from the day. (laughs) Um, That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, if I, if anyone could ever go to Australia or New Zealand, especially like New Zealand, Australia is hard because uh, it's so much private land. Basically, mm-hmm. that's what Australia is. Um, there are uh, hunting or not hunting lands, but there are federal lands, but or what we would call like BLM, but you can't hunt them mostly. Oh, They're small little pockets, but um, yeah, so it's kind of 
it's not set up for hunting really Australia, but New Zealand. Oh my gosh. Like if you could go there and hunt, I would highly suggest. It's definitely, I mean, I don't have, you know, I mean, short of going up to like Canada or Mm -hmm. back down to Mexico, like I don't really have huge aspirations to Mm -hmm. travel anywhere, but if the opportunity came for me to hunt out of the States, like, do a travel hunt. I mean, New Zealand is definitely high on the list for without a doubt. Yeah. Um, there's, sure. I mean, there's a, there's a few things, you know, just doing the podcast and hearing what other people love to hunt and various travels and exciting stuff they've done. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's, it's always exciting to see that stuff, but I'm also, I'm just so head over heels for elk. Like, I don't think there's any greater animal mm-hmm. in the world. And then. And see, I felt that way too, until I went after tar. I mean, I love elk and, there's nothing. If I could hunt one animal for the rest of my life, it would 100% be elk hunting, archery elk hunting um, during the rut. But, you know, that tar hunt, it was <laughs> so hard and so cool. It was just like looking at your, you know, backdrop that you're hunting on and just thinking, wow, like I can't even put into words how beautiful this is and um how deadly it is you know at the same time it's just like you have to watch every step and you have to really be on your a-game and not only that you have to have that mental strength like uh you know conquering a mountain is really hard especially in New Zealand it's just it's really tough terrain so I think for me because that hunt was one of the hardest ones I've ever done now I'm like, okay, that is like my unicorn. Like I have to get a car. <laughs> I have to go back and I have to make it happen with my bow because it's just, you know, you find that thing that's so hard and you're like, okay, that's, that's what I need to get after. That's what I need to do. So yeah. I'm like counting down the days till I can go back. And Jess and I have talked about going back uh, a few times. So Hopefully we can, we can do that for sure. For me, like most people's dream is to go stag, go after stag in New Zealand. For me, mm. I'm like, nope, tar all the way tar. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I never have to go after stag again. I would love to just chase, chase tar forever. <laughs> well, I feel like, but. you know, stag are cool and all, but is it really all that different from hunting elk? <laughs> it is because I mean, you can call stag in and, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool, actually. It is very similar. I mean, they're big, but they're actually deer species. So mm-hmm. it's, it's strange. They're so huge. You're like, there's no way that's a freaking deer. And they look a lot like elk. And there's some stag at um, Adam's place that I'm like, is that an elk rock or is that stag? Like, what the heck? Because they look yeah. so similar. Um, but, I mean, heck yeah. If I could get a stag stag too and even fallow deer i mean those things are cool the way that they any animal really i mean they all have their own attributes but um i think tar you can't even hear them they don't call they make no noise they don't i mean they fight obviously but that's not super loud typically and mostly what you hear from them is like the rocks falling um but i well, they'll make noise. They like kind of whistle if you get close to them or you scare them or something like that, but they're not going to let you know where they are like an elk or, but it's just, I think this is a challenge of the terrain. That's why I liked it so much. But I mean, you know, if you've hunted elk, then that's basically your, your unicorn right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely, uh, I mean, 
I, I look at a lot of stuff. Like, pro- mm-hmm. I, I mean, my bucket list hunt is definitely uh, uh, an Alaskan brown bear hunt uh, with my bow. Oh, yeah. That's, that is right now my un- – I, I would say that's – that's the top of my list. Like that's my unicorn hunt, my bucket list hunt. <laughs> yeah. But that's not Those something I would scary. really ever want to do again after that. I mean, you know, I, I would yeah. probably want to, but I mean, yeah, that's just something I want to do once and, and, mm-hmm. and have that experience. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a dude that's like <laughs> hunting a bear with a bow. Come on. Like yeah. I've talked about it on the podcast before. Like, I remember when I was first ever, like years ago, when somebody wanted to take me dove hunting, I uh, I was looking at hunting regs in California, and I was like, wow, bear season, that's crazy. I'm like, archery bear season? Holy crap. Like, I just remember thinking, like, that was so far out of the realm, and I, now I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, man, you know, I wonder when I can get that scheduled and when I can afford it. But Yeah, yeah, I know, brown bear are crazy. I know, but when it comes to something that I would think about, like, you know, this is what I'm the animal I'm passionate about that I want to always hunt that I'm fascinated with it. Like I dream mm-hmm. about it's always going to be elk uh, for sure. Like mule deer are cool. I'm a, I think mule deer are awesome. Um, you know, I, I, I've got a, um, I've got a Audad hunt, uh, in February that I'm yeah, doing in New Mexico. And like, I think those are so cool and I'm super excited cool. to do that, but it's all just like, yeah, they're cool. I want to hunt those. I'm a, I'm super excited to hunt that, but it's not elk. Yeah. So. Well, you got to try everything once, and then maybe one of those animals will surprise you, and it'll be something you want to do forever, because you never know. Like, I always said that, too, about elk, and then I went tar hunting, and I'm like, okay, great. Well, now it's elk and tar, so, like, what the heck? Well, and then, too, I think it's also, like, if I had gotten a tar, it may be a different story, um, but I didn't. So, you know, now it's like, that's why I have You're to hungry for it. Didn't get one. That's the one that got, got away, you know. But um, I just couldn't imagine not wanting to be on those landscapes and in that, like, tough terrain. I think tar and elk are good for me. I'm actually going um, to Alaska this year because I've never been either. And I, that's always been a place where I've been like, I just want to go to Alaska so bad and hunt something. But it's always been like, you know, if you draw tags or whatever. I put in for a black bear in Alaska, um, but I haven't drawn it yet. Um, but luck, like weird, crazy. I drew Alaska moose, like a limited tag that oh, nice. is a really hard area to get. And um, so I drew that. And so I'm doing that this year, which is really freaking exciting. And especially too, because I love moose meat. That was one of the first uh, game animals that I actually ate was moose. Okay. And um, I just, I loved it. Ground moose burgers and then like trying to figure out, do I need to like drive up there, take the ferry or what? So I can get as much meat back as possible. As long as I get one, hopefully. Yeah. That's yeah. the plan at least. But Of course you will. No doubts. Yeah, no doubts I in hope, my mind. Well, it's all archery, you know, so it's a lot harder. <laughs> um, I've been shooting a lot though, and I've been shooting pretty good. So hopefully, hopefully it'll all come together. But uh, I've just heard incredible things about those animals and uh, the train that they're in and like how tough they are too. So, um, Hopefully it'll all come together. Yeah, no, moose I'm is definitely, to film it too, so. <laughs> without a doubt, moose is on the list for me. Um, yeah. You, I forget, with Alaska, do you have to have a guide with Alaska or? Depends on the animal. So um, moose, you don't have to have a guide. Caribou, you don't have to. Um, if it's a goat or brown bear or bear, you have to have a guide. So. Okay. So, yep, you're going to have to have one for show. 
But um, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Just... I'm I'm definitely not going on a solo brown bear hunt. <laughs> yeah, like, that's <laughs> it's just I'm... deep and bear that you have to have yeah. a, a guide. <laughs> I'm not the brightest person, but I ain't that dumb. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you seen some of those videos of the brown bears? It's like, oh my gosh. I mean, I think that would be a rush and a thrill, but I'm like. Uh, that's like one thing that definitely scares me. I posted a picture not too long ago, uh, like a vintage picture that I can't even remember who originally posted it, who I shared it from, but I think it would think Easton, uh, may have been the ones that Mm -hmm. shared it originally, but it was Chuck Adams with this brown bear. And like, just looking at that photo, like I got chills up and down like on my phone. I got chills up and down my back and just, I'm like, it's hard to believe. And then like, I think uh, you should go. Do you follow Cole Kramer? I'm pretty sure I do. I know the name, if nothing else. He is a huge bouncer. He got some absolute giants this year. Um, so you'll have to go and follow him and check out his page. Because I, looking at the pictures, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I would pee my pants if I saw that. Especially yeah. in bow range, like I would probably. I don't even. I mean, you know you know, in those situations that you train for it. But at the same time, like, I don't know that I'd be able to draw my bow back. I think I'd be so scared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely follow Cole. I, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Uh, I know these pictures. He's one of the greatest, <laughs> well, greatest brown bear hunters or guides that I know, grizzlies and stuff like that. So. Ooh, I know who I might but, have yeah. to be calling in a few, in a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, right? Not even sure how much those run, but like, oh, man. I think I'll go with, caribou and sheep yeah. and um some moose <laughs> well who so, was it I, think, I love bow hunting i think it was cam didn't cam uh last year take a brown i don't know if it was last year but didn't he take a brown bear that was actually reared up at him um, he has before well he's he's um black bear like i know that he's had a lot of black bear encounters Mm-hmm. And I, he has taken a brown bear, but I don't remember the exact story about that because it was several years ago. I think it was before I even knew him. So, um, yeah, I don't think I heard about that hunt, but I know he's had so many crazy close encounters with the black bears um, yeah. up at John and Jen Rivers place. But And I've seen all those videos, and oh my gosh, I'm like, you are so crazy. What are you <laughs> even doing? Like, they're right there. And with black bears, I'm not as scared. Like, I've seen so many of them. They are like, way more scared of you than you are of them yeah. like they see you or even hear you coming and they're like gone nope not gonna even find out what that is so um <laughs> me i'm not too scared of them but Brambles, yeah for sure <laughs> oh yeah and it's like, i mean watch out for. i think you forget end up forgetting to some extent how small black bears actually are like, mm-hmm. you know, they're, I mean, they're a, a sturdy, heavy animal that you're, I, I'm not going to pick a fight with if, if I had a choice, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you know, I mean, you, you forget they're you know, I mean, you know, they, they'll stand about, you know, six foot most of the time and mm-hmm. sometimes even shorter. And they're, I mean, some of them look like a really big oversized dog. Like, And that's been my biggest problem is I've seen so many of them out in the wild but like, and I, it's a lot of times when I'm bow hunting and guess what? I have a bear tag in my pocket, mm-hmm. but I'm like, it's a baby. That's a baby. That's a baby. I'm not shooting that. That's a cub. I'm not shooting that. And then people are like, they're like, Rihanna, that is not a freaking cub. And I'm like, it looks like one that looks like a cub to me, you know? And in that split <laughs> decision, I'm always like thinking of like, okay, where's mom? Like, I'm not going to shoot a baby. Like I, I'm not going to shoot a little bear. 
so for for me, I've really realized that no, it's not always a baby. It's usually you know a yearling or or a smaller bear or even I don't know a big size bear. But to me, they always look small <laughs> when yeah. they're that close in bow range, I guess. But I did have an experience last year when I was hunting, and this was legitimately a little cub. It was so tiny; it was like the size of my little dog. And I was by myself and I'm elk hunting and uh, I just jumped uh, a doe and her fawn. And so I was kind of standing there and I was just like, you know, okay, whatever. They, they ran off and I was just standing there and I heard something coming like literally right to my right. And I was like, what the heck is that? So I look over and it is a little tiny cub. And I had a tree in front of me, so on the path, like, I couldn't see what was coming after it. Like, I didn't even know if there was something coming after it. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh. I could literally reach out and touch this little cub. I'm like, great. Where is the mom? Like, this is yeah. insane. I set my bow down on the ground while this thing's sitting there looking at me like, oh, what are you? Like, it had no idea. It was like, oh, this isn't danger. It didn't run. It was, like, actually coming towards me. And I'm like set my bow on the ground and I like grab my gun. Cause I'm like, okay, well here comes the mom somewhere. Like I'm going to about to be a snack for her. Like she's going to attack me. Cause <laughs> literally all she would have to do is reach out and swat me. And yeah. it, cause that's how close the cub was. And so I set my bow down, grab my gun. And I seriously, that little thing just like was like, Oh, what are you like? You're my friend. <laughs> like, and I wanted so bad to just be like, oh, cuddle it. <laughs> Don't cuddle the bear cub. Do not cuddle no. the bear cub. <laughs> Don't cuddle the bear cub. Uh, so I'm sitting there holding my gun, just like waiting for the mom. And I'm trying to scare this little thing away. I'm like, get away from me. What are you doing? I like reached my hands up and I'm like trying to spook it off. And finally it ended up like sauntering off slowly. It's like, okay, obviously <laughs> I shouldn't be around this thing. But I was so I'd never been so scared. I was just like, oh, okay, well, basically I'm here by myself. I have no service and I'm about to be eaten by, by a mom. But yeah, like, what's quicker, <laughs> a bear eating, bleeding me out or me pressing that <laughs> SOS button so they can at least find my body? Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably bleed out. But I mean, at least I had a gun just in case. But at the same time, it was it was freaky. It's a freaky moment in the outdoors, but it was fun. It was cool to see you. I, I got the tail in because... I don't know who films that kind of stuff when they get that on tape. But for me, I'm thinking about my life. I'm like, I'm not going to pull out my phone mm-hmm. and start filming. I'm holding my gun for dear life, making sure that mom isn't coming around. So finally, like I caught the tail end of it sauntering away, but it was really cool. But that's one thing you want to be. If you like, I'm scared of, I'm scared of a sow with cubs more than I'm scared of, you know, a big boar, black, black bear. Um, yeah. Just because they're a lot more territorial and, um, will attack you a lot of times though they, they'll bluff charge you so they'll kind of like they'll run at you and then typically they'll stop because they just want to see if you're going to run away and then they'll chase after you but if you stand your ground and that's why they always say stand your ground with the bear um is if you stand your ground then they'll typically stop and then you know leave or saunter off which happened to adam a few times with the grizzly bears and i think he was in montana so they do the same thing, but yeah, right. Those ones I would probably run. Grizzly <laughs> <laughs> bears are a lot freakier, I feel like. But. Yeah, that'd be, oh, I don't know, that'd be tough. Like, I, I like, I can't even imagine. And it's one of those things, you know, I, I until the day it happens, I won't ever know how, how I'll react. You know, it's just, yeah. I, I think I know what I'll, what I would do. And 
but likelihood is that just maybe is barely dipping its toe in reality <laughs> compared to what I would actually do. Yeah. And, you know, just bring an I, extra set of camo pants and we're good. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I think when you're confronted with those tough situations, so you really find out your true character. You're like, okay, well, what would I do in this situation? Oh, run. And then you find out, okay, actually, no, I kept my composure and I did a good job. So I think that's what one of the coolest things about hunting is, is, you know, you, especially solo or when you're just like out there and you're just depending on yourself, you're like, okay, well, I don't really know where I am right now. Like, mm, okay, don't panic. Don't freak out. Or, you know, you get stuck in a, in a weird situation. Like I've been in bushes so thick that I'm like, I, I'm just going to lay here for like 10 minutes while I try and collect myself and not be so uh, upset about this and how I got myself here. And then I'm going to go back after it. So that's what's yeah. pretty cool is, you know, that's what hunting has done for me is really just made me um, feel like I could do anything, I guess. So that's what I like about it, I guess. <laughs> You know, well, so <laughs> as we're as we're winding down, you know, kind of yeah. tying off of what you've learned from hunting, um, mm -hmm. you know, I always like to kind of wind down with maybe some some tips or some advice for someone. Say somebody came to you at an expo and was like, "Hey, you know, I follow you on Instagram. I really, you know, love all this hunting stuff. I just I don't have any background in it, or I I don't have these resources." Mm -hmm what do I like, what do I do? So what, what kind of words of wisdom or advice would you give that person? Well, I was talking about the leading hunting camp before. And so I'll give two pieces of advice. Cause if you're a woman, then you can do this ladies hunting camp, which is like one of the coolest things that I've ever been a part of. It's, it's, and I honestly feel like they need it for men as well, because I think it's all values and things that we can all learn as hunters. But if you're a woman and you were to ask me, I would say go to this camp. Um, there's two in Oregon and one in Utah. And I mean, the, the need is there for more in other places. Like I've had so many other women, even in Canada, like, oh, I'd love to do this, but I'm in Canada or, um, you know, over in New York, which we actually had two women. One came from Connecticut and one came for, to, from Virginia to this camp. And I mean, I know there's going to be tons of gals this next weekend from all over, but yeah, so you can come to this camp and learn uh, all about archery. I teach archery there. There's rifle instructor. There's a shotgun instructor. There's self-defense, um, how to put in for tags, what to put in your pack, um, how to load a horse and, you know, and go backpacking. Um, there's a demo on um, cordoning up an elk and processing it and um, back country hunting there's even like um, the game hunting class so you can sign up for all these different classes and I mean I think that would be the ultimate way for a new hunter to learn just because you're learning from seasoned hunters who are you know going to give you the best information that they can so for women that's what I would tell them um, for men I guess there's a need for a class like that. I think it's so important to um, not just passing on any information, but it's the right information. And mm -hmm. whereas I'm like, I know so much about archery, uh, you know, I would give them that information, but I think, you know, with rifle and, and shotgun and, and all that kind of thing, it, it would just depend on, you know, what it is that they're wanting to hunt. And that's probably what I would ask honestly is 
Uh, but also to take it upon yourself to, to learn. Um, and for me, what I did is I bought a ton of books. So Stephen Rennell is a great resource. He really like, you know, he has some of the best values that I've seen in the hunter. So he has some great resources, some amazing books. His, his complete guidebooks are incredible. Yes, complete. Exactly. Like I would say buy his complete guidebook and then start there. Um, or two, just using your local, um, like we have Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, using your local uh, fish and wildlife as your resource. So you can go into any office and start talking to game officers. And a lot of the time they are such a wealth of knowledge and they want to help you. I mean, that's what they're there for. They're out with frequently there, they, you know, they know uh, what kind of animals there are, how many populations, good areas to go. And typically they are so wonderful and they'll help you. So um, that's where I, I started too. you know, going to your local offices. And one thing to tack on to that note, yes. because a lot of the times if you're not able to go into the office or if you're, if you have to call them and leave a message, yeah, make sure you write down like in your phone, a list of the list of questions you want to ask <laughs> because when I was prepping for my, my elk hunt, yeah. I was like, I called, uh, I had to cross through one unit mm-hmm. and was hunting in the next unit. And so I, I was calling the, the, the Rangers, the uh, wildlife biologists for, and, uh, everyone for both units. And of course, you know, yeah, I'll leave a message with someone, this and that, and they'll get back to me and blah, blah, blah. But the problem is they got back to me and I had written down my questions, but they were on just a sheet of scrap paper at my desk and yeah. I did not have them in front of me. And um, I was yeah. like completely caught off guard and asked <laughs> probably the, I got maybe two valuable questions out of that entire conversation <laughs> and I probably sounded but, but like. they were willing to help you. Like I'm sure they were willing oh, yeah. to help you and tell you what your questions were. And they, you know, and he, uh, and and that's one thing. And depending on the person you get, sometimes they'll give you. Sometimes they'll give you just directly what they're because that's the, what they're there for is to, yeah. uh, for a lot Eating of reasons. In, but yes. that's mm-hmm. a big big portion of what they're there for. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, some some of them will just give you you know direct answers exactly to your questions. Other ones you know you'll ask them a question and they'll lab, they'll you know expand on it a little bit and tell you a story and it'll bring up other stuff. So depending <laughs> on who you get, you'll, you'll get a little bit, a little bit more or less depending on the, the biologist you get to for sure. Especially if you're a guy. So listen, you can go into the office. It's usually the gals that are at the front desk. They've got all of the maps there. So um, any office that I've ever gone to, they have tons of maps for that unit or that area that you're in. Usually those gals, every single thing that the, officers here talk about and so they have so much knowledge too so if you can actually go into whatever office that's nearby because each place has well in Oregon at least and even in California because you have the different areas you have to check in you can Mm -hmm. go into the office and talk to them they are a wealth of knowledge too and that's what I usually have done so you know you can talk to the rangers but also talk to those gals at the front desk and you know sweet talk them and usually they'll (laughs) they'll help you out and they're great gals too and too, like any woman, like I know for me, I, I want to share my knowledge and I want somebody asking me a question. I'm going to answer, answer honestly. If you ask me where I'm hunting or location or what creek I'm at, but you know, any other information that I help with in aiding somebody become a better hunter 
or um, things that I've learned along the way, I'm always happy to pass that on. Because two, guess how I got where I am? By other people teaching me. There's no way I would have learned what I know. Well, I mean, a lot of it's, you know, you have to figure it out on your own in the field, but mm-hmm. certain things like how to quarter an animal or how to do certain things or what, which way to cut against the, the grain of the meat. You know, it's all things that I've learned from other people because they want to teach you. So I feel like as a hunter uh, or any, any person that's a hunter, they should want to pass on their, their knowledge. And it's important because uh, the only way that hunting is going to stay what it is, is as long as there's, you know, future generations that want to keep doing it. So got to pass it on. Very important to pass it on to more, more people than just your immediate descendants, if you will. Exactly. But yeah, so um, if anyone out there is a lady or has a wife or has somebody that's not sure if they want to hunt, um, I would 100% suggest this ladies hunting camp. Um, I feel like it's a great resource uh, for, for women. And two, there's a lot of guys that come too. So um, they come, they don't participate in the classes, but their wives do. So um, the men are welcome as well. They can't come to the classes. But, you know, if you have a girlfriend who wants to know or say both of you want to know, send her and have her learn everything and then she can teach you. Because it is a really <laughs> fun thing to learn as a couple. You know, it's it's a, it's usually it usually goes pretty well. I don't know. But <laughs> from what I've seen at the ladies hunting camp that come with their husbands, usually when you learn something together, um, then it's, yeah, it can be have a huge impact on uh, a positive impact on your relationship. So, no, that's that's really a good point is for a lot of couples. Cause I think you do end up with one person tending to learn it more from the other or being brought into mm-hmm. it by the other. And, um, yeah, learning, learning that together would, is an awesome, uh, I can imagine is an awesome way to strengthen that relationship and yeah. always have a good hunting partner. Exactly. Um, and I'm sure you'll have your fight. So just get ready for that. But as long as you can <laughs> overcome them, you'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. But too, every hunter has their own way of doing things as well. So you never, you know, force what you think on another person. It's like, well, this is how I do it. Um, but, you know, you can develop your own way. There are very strong ethics that are involved that everyone should follow. But, you know, a certain way that you want to stalk an animal or, um, a certain route you want to take or a certain hill you want to climb or, um, you know, a certain east facing slope you want to glass, you know, it's, it's, it's up to you along the way. But, um, but you know, there are certain guidelines that you're supposed to follow. Yeah, unless, unless you're the one, you know, it, it, it should be left up to the one who's pulling the final decision should be left up to the one who's pulling the trigger or knocking the arrow. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's up to yeah. them to take in all the advice and make their decisions. Exactly. But. So if people wanted to find you on the interwebs, I know you've got accounts on all the different things. Yeah. Um, where can where can people find you? Um, so I have, I'm biggest on Instagram. I do a lot on that. I do have Facebook, uh, Rihanna Carey on Facebook. I have a YouTube cooking channel, uh, where I have all different recipes and that's, uh, Rihanna Carey, uh, or Ree's recipes, but you can put in Rihanna Carey too, and it'll come up. Um, so that's really good for people who need help 
on what to cook. Um, and then, um, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, I do. It's all Rihanna Carey, basically. I don't do a lot on Twitter. I probably should more, but um, I do have an account on there. But if you really want to see what I'm doing, Instagram's the best way. That's okay. I mean, I pretty much, my Instagram posts to my Facebook, my Facebook posts to my Twitter, and pretty, <laughs> exactly. pretty much everything's identical across the board. Exactly. <laughs> so, you it's, know. It takes a lot of time. Social media is a full-time job, for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. Well, thank you so much for taking the time tonight and hopping on a call. Of course. And I guess your window guy I, never came. I know. Or your, uh, sorry, your, por- your porch light guy or your door guy or whatever he's doing. No, my door guy. Because, I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to put a door on the hinges by yourself, but it's real hard. So I was like, uh, could you come over <laughs> and help me put this on? But yeah, he didn't come. So I'm going to have to text message him. For shame. <laughs> he's getting called out on not a huge <laughs> podcast, but getting called out on a podcast. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> for shame. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank thanks you so again. much for having me. And yeah, um, thanks for the great chat. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 77 of Living Country in the City. A big thank you to Rihanna for taking time out of her busy day to hop on the line with me and talk a little bit about hunting. Make sure y'all head on over to our show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 77 to check out everything we talked about in today's episode. But in the meantime, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. 